Good day, everyone, and welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, your host, and as always, I'm really glad you've joined us. Vaccination rates are slowing down here in Michigan and across the country, and it seems that most people who were eager to get vaccinated and who have convenient access to vaccines have already received their shots. About half of all eligible people in the United States have had at least one shot, and it's about 60% here in Michigan. But what about everyone else? Healthcare professionals are now having a lot of really difficult conversations with patients who are hesitant or just outright resistant to the idea of getting a COVID vaccine. How will we ever get to the idea of herd immunity and really put the virus behind us if we can't get more people to agree to be vaccinated. Here to talk about how those conversations are going is Dr. Rob Davidson. He is a West Michigan ER doctor who is also an outspoken advocate for expanding healthcare access in Michigan and across the country. Dr. Rob, welcome back to Detroit Today. Thanks, Stephen. Great to be here with you. Yeah. So uh, you recently tweeted about the fact that your ER now has vaccines that are available for patients and about the conversations you've been having with hesitant and resistant patients as a result. You break it down into different categories of patients. Let's start with people who want to be vaccinated but have barriers to getting the shots. Who are those people? What are their situations? And how are those conversations going when you're having them? Yeah, I think the biggest barrier or the biggest challenge in that group, uh, in my area at least, it's rural, uh, rural West Michigan, is transportation. And then probably just after that would be folks who are concerned about their work. You know, if they, A, getting out to get the shot, B, if they have, you know, some chills and body aches and things like that where they might need to miss a day, you know, taking that day off of work. And, and so many people, you know, hourly workers get penalized for taking time off of work. So those seem to be the biggest. Now, the, the nice thing is that we do have it in our, in our uh, hospital. We can give it from the ER. We can do the one-shot J&J or the uh, two-shot series, get them the first shot of the Pfizer vaccine. Um, and I know most doctor's offices now around the state and certainly clinics. Um, I, I know clinics in Detroit, uh, federal qualified health clinics and community health centers in Detroit have doses of the vaccine available. So when people are at their doctor's office, because you know, many people do have a primary care doctor and they have transportation arranged to get there and time they took to get there, they could potentially get it uh, on that day. So those are certainly some, some pieces that have been put into place to help reduce those barriers. I think the other piece in more populated areas, and I believe it's happening in Detroit, is that rideshare programs, Uber and Lyft uh, come to mind, are offering free rides to go get vaccines up and through through July 4th. Uh, that's unfortunately not available where I am because we're just so rural. They don't have those services. So hopefully um, we are really uh, uh, whittling down this group uh, such that there are almost no barriers that people who want it can get it. Hmm. So so what's, just listening to you talk about this dynamic in, in rural West Michigan reminds me of some of the barriers that we have here in the city of Detroit as well. I mean, I, I, you know, uh, I, I don't think we often draw parallels uh, between rural communities and urban communities, but it sounds like some of the dynamics around 
the barriers to, to, to getting a vaccine uh, might be the same. And, and I, I think that's an important it's an important thing to note because uh, that helps us, I think, understand more about how to solve these problems. Right. That we don't need to solve them necessarily in individual communities, but uh, across them. Right. Many of the barriers for, for all aspects of healthcare are very similar between urban parts of Detroit and mm-hmm. other rural parts of the state. Unfortunately, the, the politicians have have divided Michiganders along uh, along kind of urban rural or racial lines uh, for the for the purposes of politics. Um, when really, if, if folks would kind of see that, you know, a lot of the, the issues they face in their everyday life uh, do parallel one another. Um, and they could actually band together and advocate to remove those barriers. So I know, you know, the Michigan uh, Health Department, uh, the governor's office, and then uh, other organizations, my organization, the Committee to Protect Healthcare, we're doing our best to kind of get the word out uh, about vaccine hesitancy, have doctors talking in these various communities about why people should get vaccinated, and then, you know, relying on the, the kind of logistic power of, of cities and the state government to to break down those barriers. Uh, and again, I, I believe we're at a point where, you know, anyone who wants a shot has a, a, pr- a pretty reasonable uh, ability to get a shot. Uh, so next you talk about people who are folks who get vaccines routinely, but who are hesitant about this vaccine because they are new. Now, I hear from a lot of people here in Detroit as well about the idea that uh, this is still, quote unquote, untested, that this is an experiment, that uh, that we don't quite know what it will do or what it won't do. I, I wonder what you're hearing from people there and what you're saying back to them when they raise these concerns. Yeah, I had a very interesting conversation with an elderly patient um, who hadn't been vaccinated and just wasn't sure that they'd heard some things from friends and a, and a, and a son-in-law about, you know, experimental and, and, and untested and all of that. So the first thing is to remind people that the technology, particularly um, when you're thinking of the mRNA vaccines, Pfizer and Moderna, those are the ones that have had the most penetration in this country. Um, that technology has been around for at least a decade. They've been using it in trials for cancer treatments. And so the safety of that has been well documented over a decade or more. And the safety trials for that vac- those vaccines uh, for COVID absolutely followed the usual customary safety trials that they would do. It just so happens the technology allows for them to actually make the vaccine in a matter of weeks, to have it available, and then to get those safety trials going. And so there were not and have not been any corners cut. So that's the first piece. The second piece is, like you said, folks who believe in vaccines, this elderly gentleman told me he remembers living in Grand Rapids, having school children, getting a note about getting the little sugar cube under the tongue uh, for the polio vaccine. And we mm-hmm. talked about Jonas Salk and, and eradicating polio and, and how polio was such a scourge in, in, uh, around the world, and it still is in some countries, but we've basically eradicated polio. And, and I drew parallels to that and to the situation we're in now. I said, listen, if enough people get vaccinated, yes, we can eliminate this like we did polio. Uh, far more people have died from COVID-19 in a year than died from polio. And, uh, and for this 
person, he said, yeah, this was before we had it in the ER, unfortunately. So he was going to go and I sent a message to his family doctor and he was going to figure out how to get it, you know, through his family doc because he also had some barriers to transportation. Um, but, you know, that person was there with COVID at that time. Had he gotten the shot a few months earlier, he may have avoided that. And, you know, he got through it, he survived, and he's going to be able to get vaccinated. But just, again, having those conversations, and it's it's tough, you know, particularly in the ER. I mean, the ER is not terribly conducive to having long, drawn-out conversations. And frankly, we don't have established relationships. Uh, my wife's a family doctor, and I think for the family doctors and internists out there, they're going to be the heroes of getting that last 10, 15, 20% of people convinced to get the vaccine because people know them. They've been treating their, them, them and their families for forever. And so if those family docs are going to have those conversations, which they are, um, I think that's our best shot at getting over the hump. Mm-hmm. I'm talking with uh, Dr. Rob Davidson. He's a West Michigan ER doctor, executive director of the committee to protect Medicare. Now, we're talking about this vaccination wall we seem to be hitting with the COVID-19 vaccinations where uh, when they first came out, there was, of course, a rush of people. That included me. I signed up on the very first day that I was eligible to get the vaccine because uh, I believe in the science and I believe that the science is what will lead us out of this pandemic. Uh, But that rush didn't include enough Americans uh, or people here in Michigan. And uh, the numbers have slowed significantly uh, over the, 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 the weeks since the vaccine has been uh, introduced. We're talking about what physicians are talking about in terms of ways to get more people to take the vaccine. Uh, We'd love to hear from you during this conversation as well. Have you decided to get vaccinated? And if not, tell me what is keeping you from getting the shot. What barriers may be in your way? What concerns might you have about vaccines? Uh, Also, give us a call. And tell us if you're already vaccinated, what kinds of conversations are you having with people who are hesitant or resistant? Have you been able to make any headway with some of these people? If so, tell us what kinds of things are working. What are you saying to people that seems to convince them to go ahead and get the vaccine? As always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. 1019. You can also go to Facebook and Twitter, put comments there, and uh, we'll try to work you into the conversation uh, that way. Uh, Dr. Rob, uh, your, your, last, um, your last group of people that you're talking to, you say, is, is, is a group of folks who are truly resistant to vaccines in general. These are people who don't believe in vaccines. And you say that you'd argue to abandon this group altogether but it's also a really significant portion of the communities uh, that you serve. Tell us what hope you might have for getting more of these folks to get the vaccination. Well, <laughs> I mean, it is, it is genuinely frustrating. And these aren't necessarily people against vaccines. These are folks who get their kids their routine shots frequently, you know, and who get their, their tetanus booster when they need it, particularly when they come to the ER and they've, they've injured themselves. Um, but these are folks, unfortunately, who have been consuming a media environment, um, you know, various uh, folks on the right who, who have just been spreading some misinformation, which is which is OK. You know, we, we know that that communication is difficult on these issues. And so misinformation is one thing, but there's a lot of disinformation. Mm-hmm. Seems like intentional 
uh, uh, talking points about aspects of the vaccine that just aren't true. And, uh, you know, I, I've had a number of these conversations. I, I do think it is going to happen over time. So hopefully when I have a conversation initially in the ER and someone is still resistant, at least they've heard from me that, listen, we got my 17-year-old vaccinated on the second day it was available because of scheduling issues. We got my 14-year-old vaccinated and she's getting her second shot today. You know, um, uh, that, you know, I talked to them about the fact that they followed all the safety measures. I talked to them about the fact that the technology has been there for, for a decade or more on all of these vaccines. Mm. And I just think that collectively with myself and then with their family doctor and hopefully people in their circle, a few people who get vaccinated and, and just like you said, hey, I got it. I believe in it. And I think you should, too. Hopefully, you know, we will get some of these folks over time. I, I don't have a lot of hope that it's going to be the majority. But frankly, uh, for the idea of herd immunity or community immunity, you know, to, uh, to eradicate COVID and to get past the pandemic, we don't need every single person. We just need quite a few more than we have right now. Yeah. And so we absolutely can't abandon this group. And again, like I said, for me, I've been, I've been working and serving in my community for 20 years now. And I genuinely care about these people. You know, I've sat with them and their families through crises, and, mm-hmm. I, and I know a number of them over the years who I've seen with other family members or themselves. And so, you know, I, I, I believe when I took an oath, it wasn't just an oath to the folks who agree with me all the time. It was an oath to everyone who I happen to encounter in the ER. That's sort of anyone and everyone who's in your community. Um, so I'm going to keep having the conversations. And, and, again, I think the family doctors, the internists, the pediatricians out there in the office, are going to hopefully be the ones, um, unfortunately, I I mean, I did say in the thread, it'd be nice if folks like Tucker Carlson and others uh, would stop, you know, spreading the disinformation, but I can't, I can't do anything about that. Neither can you. But what we can do is continue to try to drown out the disinformation with just a healthy dose of truth at every turn. And I think that, you know, again, we'll get some of those folks that way. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to continue this conversation with Dr. Rob Davidson. And we will hear from you, the listeners. Mark in Ann Arbor, Brandon and Adrian in Detroit. You will be up first. Uh, We'll also get to some of the social media comments that we've gotten. If you want to join, 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. Your city. Your town. Your voice. On 1019 WDET. Detroit's NPR station. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, really glad that you've joined us. My guest is Dr. Rob Davidson. He's a West Michigan ER doctor and executive director of the Committee to Protect Medicare. We're talking about the stall in the number of people who are getting COVID-19 vaccines and what we do to, to break through that stall to, to get more people to want to get the shot so that more of us can be safe from uh, this deadly pandemic. Uh, as always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 
1019. Uh, we want to hear from you about how you're feeling about vaccines. Have you taken the vaccine? Have you not taken the vaccine? Call and tell us why. We also want to hear if you're somebody who got the vaccine and is spending some of your time trying to convince people who haven't to do it. Uh, what are you saying to those people? And what are you finding actually works uh, to convince people who are skeptical? Uh, as always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Facebook and Twitter, put uh, comments there, and uh, we'll try to work you into the conversation that way. Uh, let's go to Brandon in Detroit. Brandon. What's on your mind? Yeah, hi, Stephen. Uh, thanks for having me, first mm-hmm. of all. Um, so first, I just want to acknowledge Dr. Davidson's point that the uh, internal medicine and family practice, I think, is definitely where we need to kind of fight this battle at this point. Um, myself, I work at, as a PA at an internal medicine practice in the Detroit area, mm-hmm. and, you know, we've been doing well with it. But the people I'm encountering outside of our facility, a lot of what they're saying is they, they're even having their own, their own family doctors that they've seen for 20 years discouraging people from getting the vaccine, which I was a little, you know, incredulous. Just Yeah, why that, Why would they do that? Why would they do that? And, 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 you know, these people depended on them, and they're even more confused than they were before when their own family doctor is telling them not to. So I, I've, I've encountered a surprising amount of people who who are saying that they've their own doctor is discouraging the disease. Granted, it's not a lot, but even a few, you know, spreading that kind of information is, is just, you know, an uphill battle. Even more so. Yeah. Uh, Brandon, I'm, I'm curious if you can talk just a little more about your practice. You said things are going pretty well there. Are you encountering a lot of people who have questions or, or are skeptical about the vaccine? It, it, it seems that, you know, once in a while we do. It, it's, I, I am seeing more people who are, you know, I work very closely with an older population, and, and it seems like a 99% of them have the vaccine at this point, and maybe 1% don't, and those are the hesitant ones. But I don't think it's the people who are going into the doctors on a yearly or semi-yearly basis that are the problem. It's the ones that, you know, we see once every two years that really only go to be seen for needing an antibiotic once in a while, something like that. It's the people who don't check in very often that are the issue, and they're the ones where we're not really even able to reach and convince or even you know, answer their questions because we don't see them as often. Sure, sure. Brandon, yeah. uh, really appreciate uh, the call and uh, the information you you shared with us. Uh, Dr. Rob, uh, react to, to what Brandon's talking about, especially this idea of physicians discouraging people from taking the vaccine. Have you, have you encountered that? Well, I haven't personally, as far as my colleagues or the, the folks in the community, the primary care doctors that I know, um, certainly, that nationally, there are some doctors out there that um, are you know, wholesale against it, just like there are doctors who are against vaccines. It is a significant minority. Mm-hmm. I don't know the actual numbers. It's less than 5%, I'm sure. But, you know, they, they do make some noise when, when, they, when they have a, a point of view on this. It's unfortunate. You know, every, every major uh, uh, physician's organization, medical organization representing doctors out there has come out in strong support of vaccinations. And so certainly that they are human like everyone else. They are entitled to have opinions. It's really unfortunate that they're spreading those opinions uh, uh, you know, as medical advice because it really flies in the face of all available data and science. Mm. But I appreciate what Brandon's doing. And, and uh, again, I think he, he and his colleagues in primary care 
really are going to be the heroes of this in the end uh, are going to get us over that hump. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, Brandon, really appreciate the call uh, and the comments. Uh, I want to read some social media comments that we've gotten here. Brian on Twitter says there are an alarming number of people who don't know that the vaccine is free. Get the word out. Uh, I, I wonder, Dr. Rob, if you're encountering people who don't know about that. I think that is actually uh, one of the it's, it's, it's an information gap, I guess. I don't know that there's dis or misinformation about it, but uh, I, I think there are some people who don't understand that they don't have to pay for it. Yeah, that's a huge gap. Now, I haven't directly experienced that with the people with whom I'm speaking, but yeah, that's, you're right, and I apologize for not having said that, and I'm glad that, that he brought it up and that we're talking about it now. It, you know, it's free. Um, you know, have insurance, don't have insurance. And, and it's unique in, in the United States of America where, you know, we still have 27 million people or 30 million people without health insurance, a lot, of, a lot more than that who can't afford deductibles and copays. So they don't necessarily think that anything in healthcare is free, but this, this is. And, and that is a critical gap, uh, I think, that exists. And I want to thank him for bringing that up. Mm, yeah. Uh, I, I, let's go back to the, the social media feed here. Mark on Twitter says, uh, let's be honest. It's not, quote, politicians who are di- dividing Michiganders. It's Republicans. Enough both sides uh, arguments here. Uh, uh, he said a, a word that I'm not supposed to say on the air. Uh, <laughs> Mark, you're not wrong. Uh, I, I agree with you that uh, Republicans are the ones who have made this into uh, a highly political uh, issue and, in general, uh, are the ones who think they benefit from dividing um, urban and rural Michiganders, even though I think they're, they're quite wrong uh, in the fact that, uh, that they do benefit from that. Uh, Brando says, uh, I think the two biggest obstacles are crazy anti-vaxxer conspiracy nut bars and those who think they will be exposed for their outstanding warrants, missed child support back taxes, or defaulted loans. Uh, what, what about that kind of misinformation, Dr. Rob, this idea that if you get the vaccine, you're somehow giving up information that could be used against you in another context. Do you, do you find that there are, are people coming into uh, your ER who have that, uh, that impression? I haven't seen that. I've certainly seen that uh, with other issues in, in medical care, particularly related to immigration, people kind of afraid to seek care, thinking that the healthcare establishment is going to kind of sell them out. And I have seen some social media posts out there circulated around where that is a point of disinformation, you know, and that's the first part, the crazy nut bars and all that. I mean, I think some of those folks are intentionally spreading those myths. The reality is there's a thing called HIPAA. It's a Health Privacy Act that does not allow your doctor or any healthcare provider you see to share anything medical, you know, about you or even the fact that you came in to be seen with anybody else without your consent. You know, we have people come into the ER and we cannot call the police. We cannot call anyone and let them know they're there unless we are given direct consent by the patient. And so, yeah, that's, again, unfortunate that people are out there trying to sow these seeds of disinformation for some very bizarre political or other gain. Um, so, yeah, another important piece of information to get out there that is uh, absolute, uh, 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 absolute uh, falsehood. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Stina on Twitter says, uh, I convinced a plain seatmate who was uncertain 
by talking about mutations. He said it was the best argument uh, he had heard. Uh, Dr. Rob, this this idea of breakthrough uh, from uh, from unvaccinated people of uh, the, the the mutations and the variants uh, is something that's a little complicated, I think, for people to understand. But uh, Shadina says that uh, that was persuasive in this case. That's awesome. I mean, it is true. The more that the virus circulates in various communities, we're seeing it happening in, in India now and, and the variants, you know, that originated, we think, in the UK or South Africa, Brazil, and several here in this country. Um, they happen more when the virus is spreading more. It's just a, a kind of basic scientific fact. And so the quicker we, we bring this to an end, the, the better our chances of, of having, you know, of having coverage, of, of not having a variant that breaks through the vaccines and all of a sudden just takes over and we have a whole new pandemic on our hands. Yeah. And I think that's great that, that the, uh, uh, the listener um, had a conversation with a seatmate. I think, you know, just be bold and, and don't be afraid to talk to anyone about this if you're having a normal conversation um, this is on almost everyone's mind. Most people know the pandemic exists, know about COVID-19, and, and unfortunately too many people know somebody who is directly affected by it. And so it's not a weird conversation to bring up. And, you know, I think put yourself out there. You obviously don't want to get in a fight. You don't want to get in an argument. But, um, you know, every person who spreads a bit of truth, I think, is going to be helpful. Yeah. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. Let's go to Dave in Detroit. Dave, welcome to the show. Hi. Uh, so uh, what I know about vaccines, they basically build uh, antibodies in the person mm-hmm. who got the vaccine. So I understand if I went through the COVID already, uh, my body already have those antibodies. So I don't need the vaccine. Is that correct? Uh, I, I, I have been saying for weeks now that's not true. Uh, but but I'm not a doctor, so let's let uh, Dr. Rob uh, address that. If you've had COVID, should you still get the vaccine? You should still get the vaccine. Uh, a, we know that the antibody production and the immunity developed from vaccines has been shown conclusively to be stronger than that developed from uh, from just getting an infection. So that's the first part. Second, um, they're following closely the people in those original trials, the tens of thousands of people who got the shot very early on in the trials to see how long does this antibody response last? How long are these people being protected in the real world against getting the infection? And so we then know um, when that immunity starts to wane, if it starts to wane, whether we'll need a booster or not. And with folks who've been infected, uh, you know, just native infection who build up some immunity, uh, we have no idea how long it lasts. Uh, it's going to be variable individual to individual. And frankly, myself, I've seen now, oh gosh, dozens of people who've come in having been infected early on with the virus or even in the fall and then come back in the spring and they get it again. And they've, they've, they've gotten clinically well, they completely recovered, and then all of a sudden got it again. And whether that's a variant or whether that's just a reinfection with a native virus, we don't know. Um, I've seen several of these people get extremely sick on the second pass, having to be hospitalized. So, yeah, the, the current recommendations, and I completely agree, is that if you've had the infection, you still should get the vaccine because you're going to protect yourself much better and we're going to know for how long. Yeah. So, Dave, uh, sign up and uh, go get the shot. Let's go to Adrian in Detroit. Adrian, 
Welcome to well, the show. Well, good morning, and thank you for this opportunity. Mm-hmm. Another educational show. Good. And by coincidence, we are at East English Village today, which is on Cashew and East Warren, giving the COVID vaccine huh? to anyone from 12 on up. And 18-year-olds, you can walk in and you don't need a parent, and we will give you the vaccine. Of course, you need ID. And if I could finish by saying all seniors that plan on going away to college, staying on campus, you have to check and make sure if your university requires you to be vaccinated. Mm -hmm. But also, if you can come and get that vaccine so you will be safe when you do go away to college or if you go to school locally. And thank you very much, and I will continue to listen. So, so Adrian, just quickly, uh, uh, what what group are you with that's that's doing this? Uh, I want to make sure. We're part of the community. We have school-based health uh, centers in over 20 schools that go all the way up to, I think it's uh, Gibraltar. I'm not for sure if that's Mm -hmm. the newest one, but we have them all over the community. East English Village, we have them in uh, Centerline. We have them, uh, we're opening one in Warren. We have one in Clintondale. We have them all over the city of Detroit. But today... We are giving the vaccine. It is free. You don't have to come with anything but a smile. And we'll be glad to service you. We, we, we will be at East English Village from 10 a.m. until 6 p.m. Please come and get the vaccine. Excellent. And that's at Kaju and, uh, and Warren. Warren. Yeah. Okay, uh, Adrian, uh, great work uh, on that. And, and thanks for calling and sharing. Uh, Dr. Rob Davidson, always great to talk to you as well. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Stephen. Have a great day. So we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about a new podcast that is shining a light on mental health, grief, and young people. Stay with us for a really important conversation here on Detroit Today.